Hey, Pada Bangers, just checking in to wish you guys the happiest of holidays. I hope this year was great and that next year is even better. I also know that the holidays are tough for a lot of people. They've been extremely tough for me in the past. For those of you who are having a rough time and are struggling, you don't have to do it alone. Please dial 1-800-273-8255 and talk to someone. That's 1-800-273-8255. I was a crisis counselor there for five years, and they're available anytime, night or day. Okay, some quick updates. I'm working hard on new stuff for the pod, including figuring out different and interesting ways to dive into the world of The Sopranos and the world around it. One of those ways will be something called Potabang PhD. It'll be a set of standalone episodes centered around discrete topics from the show. Topic one will be on the life and philosophy of Nietzsche. The season five premiere episode with Rob Weiss from HBO's Ballers, Entourage, and How to Make It in America will be out soon, as will several other interviews and conversations I've had over the past few months. Okay, so last week... Robert Eiler and Jamie Lynn Sigler invited me to do their podcast, Pajama Pants, that they co-host with Castle, who, as you'll hear, is a real captain of industry type, one that would make Tony Soprano proud. Now, it's important to mention that getting to have individual conversations with Jamie and Rob for this project was surreal enough. To be invited to spend time with them together on their own podcast is next level. But to be able to call them friends is beyond words. So here's me with my friends, Robert, Jamie, and Kasim on their podcast, Pajama Pants. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and Happy New Year. Christmas is Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. So yeah, this Merry is... Merry motherfucking Christmas. Yeah. Whatever, you guys were supposed to come over and now you're not. What do you mean, you guys? Oh, well, Are you still coming? He's of course. Going. He's going. I'm going to be you in think I, You think me and Kasim are some kind of team? I, th- I guess I did. I yeah, thought, well, here. I thought we were. What does coming over entail? Christmas Eve, we do kind of like a potluck okay. fun Okay. What chill. should I... I'm going to... I'm going to... I was thinking Bring. about making turkey chills. Turkey What's chili. That? Turkey chili. Okay. You do chili, you cook? So you like want me to I, let I you know what's going to be? I'm going to have a turkey there, stuffing, mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, Brussels sprouts, butternut squash, rolls, pumpkin pie, apple pie. My friend Melina usually brings ribs. It's that thing where I'm like, I don't want to be like, hey, can you bring your ribs again? Like right. she has to offer it, right? No, ask her for the goddamn ribs. If they were, were they were they like a like a, like a were they the star of the show? over them. Then yes. you totally have to bring it up. She would, she would be honored or, or here, and flattered. I, got, I know how to do this because I'm a New York scumbag. You go, hey, I really want those ribs at my party. Where'd you get them? No, she makes them. Well then, but you could be like, oh, I totally forgot you do make them. Well, maybe next, and then she'll be like, no, I'll make them no. again. Does she no. make them she in like a I big know. green egg, like a slow, like one of those they're, Franklin barbecue She makes things? them all day long. Yeah. And they're, low and she slow. does a salt and pepper and then an apple cider vinegar one. Wow. Yeah. Like Cutter literally said when we were planning, he's like, hey, so you're inviting Melina, right? Yeah. Because of these ribs. Because of her amazing Well, I'm sorry we're going to miss it. I didn't want to, but I'm going to be on a mountain. Um... In the Skiing snow, hopefully it's going to snow. Yeah, it should. 
Well, you know, my girlfriend has a lodge up in Big Bear. I don't generally partake in mountain sports, but I do like the gear. I like the... Uh, you like the look? I like you the look. You look like you're wearing some of it right now with that jacket. Yeah, yeah. Patagonia. Your girlfriend has a lodge? She, she runs a lodge. You slipped that very casually. By the yeah. way, this is our friend Vic. We need to introduce yeah. Vic well, here's, before we get into my girlfriend's properties. So let's go... This <laughs> Plural. Is, this, is oh, yeah, our, this is our podcast, Pajama Pants, and we've... Uh, Sopranos fans have been... Uh, really supportive so we thought for christmas we would do like a little special where we invited our friend vic to come who is the most expert the most sopranos expert i know right but just like also just like in a just such a beautiful way i feel like, yeah, like a he casual, like has interpreted the show like how Kasim said my girlfriend has a lodge he's like yeah i've just seen every episode 87 times right like you yeah. just kind of throw it yeah, out let's, there right? so <laughs> like, your, your podcast is pot of bing mm-hmm. and then um you have an instagram I have an Instagram Pot that is mostly just a place to let people know where mm-hmm. the episodes are coming out. And that's? Pot of Bang. Pot of Bang. And then you have a, a website, or is it? I have a YouTube channel. Yeah, a YouTube channel. There Pot of Bang. Cool. I don't put anything on, but it's there in case we do. It exists. Just in case. Um, everything is at Pot of Bang. Great. That the, makes it easy. The so name subscribe. worked because I bought the name or the domain like six years ago when I had name. this idea. Yeah. I was going to say, when did you four start four years it? to get the confidence to do it. So, so you started it two years ago. Um, the summer of 2018. Was that your first guest, Sopranos guest? You were my fourth. Fourth Sopranos. You guest. put it on the map, though. Who was the first? See, he's lying. He when we met, he told me Michael Imperioli put it on the map. So he's just saying well, that. Well, sure. Well, Michael, he's just saying that's a butter you so, up. So no, no, busted. I I, I attribute it. I'm I, sure Michael elevated it. Michael elevated <laughs> it for playing. sure. Yeah. But Jamie put it on the map. Yeah, uh, she's the you best. came in around Thanksgiving of last year. Okay, and you were the fourth guest. The first guest I had was the costume designer for the pilot, Ann Crabtree. Okay, who um, did the? We talked about this when I first met you. Handmaid's Tale. Yes, she did that whole show. And by the way, Jamie, I listened to the, your app of Potabing oh, before I officially met you, and I learned a lot. It's a great interview if you haven't listened to yeah, it it's yet. Really good. Rob has also been on the show. Um, Not as good. So if you guys are if you are listening to this podcast and haven't heard Pot of Bing, yes, two very very good uh, interviews with Jamie and Rob on Pot of Bing. But I mean, you you opened up. That's when I where I learned about your MS. You know, that's where I learned a lot about what. I, that's where I learned about your opinion about the final episode of The Sopranos. <laughs> that and I don't want to talk it, about yeah, ever again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's not a question. She was saying the. In a podcast we did, how she's just so sick of talking about the ending of Sopranos. I just don't know when people are going to say, I keep giving the same answer. Like, So I asked a bunch of listeners on the podcast to send questions. I've already filtered through like 13 of them, which are like... That question. Yes. It is, uh, it is, I will defend them. It is a paradox. The ending of the show is a paradox. But that's the whole thing. That's why David did that. And people can't, there's no closure. I thought the podcast would be closure for me, to be honest with you. It has not been. It has been a huge life-changing event um, in many ways. By the way, I'm humbled and flattered that you guys are having me here on this podcast, so thank Aww. you. Thanks for coming. Yeah, um, we need to even the score. Two guys with glasses versus two without. Yes. yes. Us versus them. Um, Shirts versus skins. You guys be skins. But the questions are never eloquent, Is and it's not a knock on anybody. Even when I've talked to, to actors and writers and producers on the show, I've done 111 interviews now. Believe it or not, it's crazy to think that you were number four and there have been that many since then. I don't ask really questions about the show. Like Rob and I talked about 
life. Yeah, so yeah. did we kind of. And then, and we absolutely, and then the show comes out as it does. Mm-hmm. It was a long time ago, you know? Yeah. It, and you guys have moved on, you yeah. know? But fans haven't. Right. Um, and uh, especially a lot of the young listeners that I meet and talk to now that are watching it for the first time, you guys are still little kids to them. And it is, yeah. it's, the, it's this whole fourth wall thing wow. where like Jamie's a mother and has a family. Rob is, you know, had a, had a gambling career in, in Las Vegas and now he's here in LA. He's not the little guy that Tony's picking up and hanging in the closet. Yeah, I'm not 190 pounds and 12 years <laughs> right. old anymore. I was looking at pictures to come up with questions for you guys and you have, you are very svelte compared to uh, Sopranos Robert. Yeah. Um, yeah, you happens. were a fat piece of shit back then. <laughs> God, these fucking YouTube guys, man. You just can't. Um, Say whatever they think. Wait, yeah, right? So for 111 episodes, are they all people that have been related or worked on or near the show? Yeah, or? near the show. So um, writers, producers, directors, actors, uh, the, the set designer... Um, That's a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people. What directors did you have? So uh, Jack Bender. Uh huh. Um, Alan Coulter. Oh, cool. That's right. Um, and I'm a lot of other ones are in the hopper, but cool. scheduling difficulties. Sure. Um, and uh, obviously, you don't don't include us because we know we're one and two. We don't know which combo, but we're one and two. <laughs> Who are the best guests? Yeah. Who's the best guest so far? So Jamie was by far the first thing. Like if I described the project. Um, Obviously, I, you didn't hear the instructions, but okay. uh, yeah, no, no. But, but that's that's that was the that was actually. And I, I gave you a, a holiday card today that articulated what I will Aww. tell you. It gave me the confidence to finish the podcast. That's great. Yeah. Um, and then the listeners resonated with the episodes, like the recaps. It's not like I don't talk about it as a mafia show, and that bothers a lot of people. It's kind of polarizing. Huh. I talk about it as a character study and life. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These people that have a dad who has a certain kind of job, but he does all these things. So we look at it kind of differently. Um, and then listeners started to follow on. And then because of that, th- guests want to be on the podcast. So now, whereas I used to reach out, I, I think I emailed Rob, uh, we joked about it, 47 emails. I think it was to, 27. No, it was in the 40s because oh, Drea was in so the bad. 60s and Drea wanted to be the top dog. Thanks, Dre. Um, yeah. mm. But now people are reaching out because they By want the way, to be cool. a part of it because it's a retrospective. Yes. And None of the emails were to me. They were to my my manager. R- who the, and I was who living, was a pro. He's the best. He's, he, was, he was awesome. He did yeah. exactly what I would do. I'm not going to give you the access to. But I was living somewhere else at the time. So it was like, oh, right. he's living, you know. So yeah. So it was. all. And Rob had to email me and be like, is this okay? Is this real? Yeah. Well, yeah. When, when you don't work in acting for 10 years, you're, you know, you're a tough guy to get. So the first person guy. that I actually big pitched guy. this podcast work, idea yeah. to was. Will Janowitz, who was um, Meadow's boyfriend on Finn. the show, Finn DeTrolio. Okay. You, met you him haven't before. seen the show. I don't. I met him before. Met him. Yeah, when we I were watched season one. Okay, he wasn't I'm, in season. And one. by the way, just okay. so everybody knows, we've never seen the show. Yeah, they know. Right, which we is, all know now. Which was basically me for thirty minutes today, messaging people back saying, "Remember." They haven't seen the show. They wanted right, to know yeah. about like a thing or that, whatever. Oh, people are oh, like, I remember one time I actually saw a scene somewhere and it was me like in the backyard sweeping up. And I was like, I swear I've never done that. Yes, I have <laughs> like, I was like, there's too. no way. It was, it actually like really bugged me out. Yes. Like I was like, 
there's no way. Like, why the fuck was I sweeping yes. in the backyard? I'm like, this is insane. So I was probably like, I don't know, 17 or 18. But it's so like, weird. I always tell people, like, people ask me questions about the show. And they're like, well, when you guys did this, I'm like, if I asked you about a conversation you had with someone 17 years ago, like, when you were standing with your friend and he said this, what did you say? It's yeah. like, yeah, you're I don't right. don't remember any of That's why right. I don't do it. That's why I. That's why I don't ask right. this question because you're not going to have an answer. Yeah, right. I don't remember what I did last week. Like right. if you asked me to articulate in clear detail. Like, well, yeah. my kid was in my head and I was thinking about something else and I just did it. It was like an out of body type thing. Yeah. But usually when you see the video, it like kicks it back in your memory. Not, and this thing I saw, you. I was like, but usually it does. Like when I see or even like I hear the opening theme song somewhere and I'm like, okay, like I remember yeah. this feeling of like yes. being at the premiere and and all the stuff. But like. When I saw this, like me sweeping in the backyard, I was like, I would swear that there, if somebody said like, I'll bet you 10 grand that there's a scene of you sweeping up in the backyard of the Sopranos house. I'd be like, yeah, deal. Let's, let's go. Cause I'm I, curious if you're going to get any of the questions that I have for you, right? They're very easy, like questions about the two of you, like on, like you should know. I'm, I'm just curious if it's like, if it's going to come. I got questions about, and I, I about the subculture, yeah. about the Sopranos fans. And you can touched on it a little bit. And I've been on the Sopranos uh, subreddit, so I kind of get it. But this show seems to have, unlike any other show, and people, and even friends of mine, they'll be like, dude, I just finished my fourth viewing. There seems to be a lot of um, repeat viewings. Mm. I, and and I look, I like Breaking Bad, but I've only seen it once. Like, I have no need to go revisit it. What is it about the show that people um, identify with? Why does the show have such an afterlife still? Mm. And we're, what, 10 years mm -hmm. since the last yeah. episode? More than that? I mean, what is it What is it, and why? And you kind of touched on it more of a character study, and people may identify with these characters, but I wonder, because you seem to be an expert on it. What is it, and just, what is it that draws I'm you to it? I'm an appreciator. Yeah. So what, what, why, why is this still a thing? So, um, I haven't told anybody this, but I wrote a letter to David Chase that, um, Michael Imperioli was kind enough to edit for me. Um, cause he said, if you want to have him be on the podcast, you're going to have to write him a letter. He's old school. So I wrote him a letter and, um, I articulated in the letter that the reason the show has resonated for me um, over multiple decades is because it affected me as a student and then it had relevance for me again as a husband. And then mm -hmm. now most recently it has a ton of relevance as a dad. Right. Um, key thing that I'm looking at when I watch the show now is how he, Tony thinks and worries and, um, kind of ponders his his fatherhood mm -hmm. and wanting to ha his kids to have a life that he didn't have and wanting them to get away from that. So that's the answer that I can give you kind of like quick. It affects you at different stages of your life. Sure. Um, and it has been that way for me. Um, and this phase has actually been the most profound because now it's all, everything is relatable. Mm -hmm. Every argument that Tony and Carmela have, um, every response that AJ gives to Tony about, you know, existential response, I'm already starting to get from my six year old. I'm already starting to get the eye rolls. Mm -hmm. Um, it comes quick and it comes fast. So I think that's part of it. Uh, some people love it. There's, there's, I think there's four different kinds of Sopranos fans, which I think you guys have, you kind of seen over the, over the history of this. There's the people that love it for the mafia. There's the people that love it for the comedy. 
they call it a comedy. It's yeah. just the laughs and the dialogue, which is, again, um, no one has written a show like that. Breaking Bad's incredible. Um, by the way, Breaking Bad, Vince Gilligan homages The Sopranos at least three different times. I don't know if he's ever said it, mm-hmm. but there are three distinct, oh, that was, that was, for, that was for David. Um, save it. What's that? Then save it. You mean you don't want to say? No, it no. Right it now? was for it was an homage oh, to the him. it was it was Got an homage it. to the show, which again no other show really will get that. You homage Goodfellas, you homage yeah G- the Godfather, but real good Emmy award winning television now is homaging or being motivated or inspired or sort of guided by The Sopranos, and you'll never yeah. ever see that. So you have such a yeah. better answer for that question than I do because when they ask me in interviews, I always go, I don't know. You know, they're like, why do people love this show? Why do they go? And I go, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's you should have played AJ. It's still so surreal so to me that you guys haven't interviews. watched it because I asked Jamie this. I remember I was like, what is your Sopranos? Like, what is the show that you love? And you, I think you mentioned Ray Donovan. Um, and I feel like I don't I don't feel bad, but I feel like it. you guys got one side of it. You're on one side of the table. and I'm looking at it from the other side of the table. But it literally is truly the greatest. Nobody uh, no project that you do and no other project that I do, by the way, I will never make a podcast about a show, uh, that aired 12 years ago right. and everybody to a T that I've talked to directors from on Lo- who directed episodes of lost. Um, they have all said that there's a je ne sais quoi to the Sopranos. Um, and again, it may come from the singular leader that you guys had. Um, but it's also the totality of everything, the writing, the actors, um, the, the f- the way it was filmed, the choice to make it on film as opposed to digital, yeah. and the, the choice to stay on film. These are all little details that um, you don't get with other shows, yeah. right? Shortcuts were taken um, in the interest of commercial sort of decision-making, but not so with The Sopranos. Yeah. There's a... Um, uh, it's weird because I was 12 years old when the show started, and I was 22 when it ended, and it was like the only... I did like... I started doing commercials and stuff when I was like six years old and I did a couple of small things, but like I did Sopranos for 10 years and I was like, that was the greatest thing ever. Like I tried to do other stuff and I was like, I don't like this. I enjoyed doing Sopranos. So in my head, I'm like, man, I think Sopranos is the greatest thing I've ever done. I'll ever do. And then I thought it was just because I had never really done anything else, but it's so cool to hear like 50 year old people who are like amazing actors and actresses and they go, oh no, that's the best thing we ever did too. So I'm not like, oh, it's just... Me and then, like you said, it's the people on the crew. It's the people everywhere. They're like, there was something about when we were all hanging out, and I think it was half like everybody was from New York. Nobody was super famous when it started, but also like, if you were an asshole, David could kill you off. Genius. The next episode, yeah. like you want to come in and be like, my trailer is not big enough, or I I want this, or I didn't act like that. Like David's like, yeah, okay, you get shot in the back of the head with a, you know. So everybody was just kind of like, you want to question was, what's on the script. Yeah. Okay. And everybody got the script always, and they were like looking for. I mean, us less than other people, but they were always looking like, "Oh, I hope I don't." This isn't the episode that, where I has die. Has that happened with somebody that you know? Can you talk? about Yeah, it? not so a big character. Jason Bones, I don't think found out until he got the script. Oh no, he was saying it was somebody an asshole, and then they got oh, killed for oh. it. Yeah, Jason Serbone <laughs> is the worst. No, no, no. He's, <laughs> <laughs> you really shouted him out, James. I didn't. I didn't hear the question. Jason Serbone is the greatest. He's so such sweet. a good guy. He played Jackie Jr. Jackie Jr. So he he didn't know he was getting killed. And then Til, he just I read think, it. I think until he got the script, yeah. Oh, 
That's, yeah. so, that's kind what of like an honor it'd be to be page killed on that show. Like, yeah, and then page thirty-three. And remember, that was one of the just, times oh. too that we got the script literally like hours before the read-through too. Right. So you get it. You look and everybody's like, oh, and that's because the they want to protect. They want to protect it, right? They don't. Yeah, yeah. but I'm, I mean, sometimes we would get it a day or two before, and it used to be mess. I mean, back then it was we wasn't emailed to anyone, so it would be messenger and to you your to apartment. Sign for it. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because like the episodes where someone would die. It's like you would see like at the read. So a read through is like everybody comes around and they we all sit around a table and we sit in our pajamas usually and we just read the script through. And they so the writers could hear it and whoever, whatever. And it's fun for the actors and everything. And you could tell because like let's say there were 40 people in there. 20 people had read the script already. So they all knew like, oh, man, I'm sorry. Like, you know, you're going to die. And then there was like me who didn't read the script and I'm coming in like, hey, what's up, man? Like, you know, how you doing? And clearly like. Something's wrong and you don't know what and then you find out like, oh, yeah, this is uh, he gets, you know, or you're sitting there while everybody's reading it and everybody all of a sudden gets quiet and it's like, bang, like, you know, they would have somebody who read the actions and it would be like, bang, we hear two gunshots, his body drops to the floor and I'm like, oh, sorry, like, have you ever been in that situation where you saw the actor that was reading that for the first time realize that he was dead? For the first time? No, I think uh, usually the actors knew by then. Yeah. And anybody big uh, on the show, I remember, I think people said that David David would we'll call, call them, them yeah. right? And like let them know. Yeah. And wh- That's got to be a very delicate thing he's got to balance. He probably knows more than us. Ha- have, well, has, was there anybody who was like devastated by them getting killed on the show that you know? Or Yeah, there's a there's a, there's a bunch of guys, like smaller, like the smaller character actors that, that didn't like the way it went down or that were shot a couple of different ways. Uh, the actor who played Jerry Torciano was one of Phil Leotardo's guys. Um, he gets shot in the back of the head at a restaurant with Silvio. But there was a scene that they filmed where he's driving in a car with Johnny Sack's uh, brother-in-law. And it was more cinematic and they wanted that version, but they went with something else. That was like a, a, a thing. But Drea said that David sat her down on the, on, on the sidewalk and explained to her what was going to happen. He did do phone calls, but with people that he had a particular more affinity for, like he would... You know, it would make it more personal, mm. but it's a, uh, I want to go back to something you said a minute ago about how you said it was like the best thing that you guys have ever done. I've heard that from everybody and it's got to be crazy just to get into your, both of your heads for a second. I just heard, um, Kevin Garnett, the basketball player, he did a podcast. Um, he did a movie with Adam Sandler that just came Uncut out. Uncut Gems. Yeah. Right? Uncut Gems. Yeah. And he, uh, someone asked him like, how's, how's retirement going? And not that you guys are retired, but like from basketball, he's retired, right? Yeah. He's like, it's crazy because I had this routine and I still work out. Basically what they were saying is you look incredible. Like you'll still look like you could play. You could still run up and down the court. He's like, I have my routine. I do everything, um, but it's never going to be the same. It's never going to be anything close to walking into the arena and having the crowd cheer your name and playing and putting up crazy stat stat lines and then doing it and then winning it, obviously a championship. And you guys did the equivalent of that for television. You were a part of something that was like a perennial Mm -hmm. all-star, the bell of the ball and that people are still talking about. And it feels like you should retire after that. Do you know what I mean? But but I'm 26. Like, what do I do? I still like acting. Like, what the fuck do I do? And it's hard because I've, I've worked since, but like, it's never been on that. Nothing that's been like of that caliber, obviously, or probably ever will be, but like, or that visible. And so people like just assume that you've done nothing. 
Do you judge yeah. the projects that you get? Like, do you always, is that, no. how, how, how have you turned that part of your brain off? Because um, I naturally would. Well, you know, I think there's a natural progression of as you get older and you realize this is a job. It like was, it was fucking awesome that I was making money doing what I loved at 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, you Mm. know, it didn't really get to be a job until it was done kind of. And then when you have kids, you're like, okay, this has to be worth my time and money to leave or fuck, I got to pay for private school. I need to take a job right now. It's become a lot more of that for me, but I did just finish this short that I worked on. It's one of the first times where I was like, I feel really, really proud about what I did and like really feel like this is cool. Like this is, this is quality and amazing, not to shit on other things I've done, but you know, it's, but it's, it's, it's like this double-edged sword where I obviously would never trade that experience for the world. But when you have it at the beginning of your life and your career and you still have the rest of your life, it's this weird thing where people look at you like, that's all you'll ever do. You had kids and kids. It's amazing how clarifying things become in life when you have kids. Mm-hmm. How did you, Rob, how did you think about it? Like, what am I going to do next? Again, it's like it's like the NBA player, to use the analogy, that retires from the NBA but then goes and plays in China. It's yeah. never well, it's the like same. It's like playing for the Yankees, right? You play for the Yankees and yes. it's like, oh, let's go. Um, really, like, I... Uh, we would get like a year off sometimes or like nine months off in between. And I was like, and everybody would be like, oh my God, what are we going to work on? And I was like, I just can't wait to hang out with my friends for nine months, you know, or a year or whatever. Cause I was a kid. So there, the show ended, I was 22. And I remember calling my manager and being like, just don't call me for six months. I'm just going to hang out with my friends. I'm going to party. I'm going to do stupid shit. Like, I just want to have, I want to do what a kid in college would do or whatever. And, uh, I basically, he kept pushing it off and pushing it off. And it was like, I was like, I just don't want to, I, I tried. So there were things that I did where like, I would get a letter, like you have to show up for jury duty. And I'd be like, fuck, I don't want to go to jury duty. So I'd call my manager and be like, Hey, can you see if there's like a part I could take for three days to get me out of jury duty? And so I did a bunch of little things and like, I would go there and what would happen would be, you would do the scene and then they would say cut and everyone would walk, everyone would, he would go back to his trailer. People had little like entourages or this. And I was like, Oh, this isn't, what I were like, this isn't how acting to me. Like, I'm like, I don't even, you don't even like speak to these people. You liked the family of it all. I loved the, like, we would shoot a scene in the kitchen of the Sopranos house, which was on set in Queens. And it would be like, all right, cut. And it was like, we would just all be still Mm -hmm. sitting in our chairs or go five feet away to like the couch. And we'd all sit on the couch and laugh and bullshit and not, it was like, we were enjoying each other's company or we'd go outside and smoke a cigarette or you do that. And you're just, you wanted to be around these people. It wasn't like, okay, what time do we get out? Cause I'm just, I'm at work and it says, and it's nine to five. And as soon as I, as soon as I'm done talking and doing my work, I'm going back to my camper and I'm going to sit in there. Like I never spend time in my camper. We would just all sit around and laugh and have a good time. And this, or like take naps together. Like, you know, there would be like us like sleeping on the couch in the Sopranos living room and this. And it's like, I, since that was my real like first big thing in acting or only big thing, it was like I thought that's what it was. So then when I went to do other shit, I was like, oh man, I guess I don't I don't really enjoy this. What I enjoyed was was that that like family. Yeah, but you know what's interesting? This project I just did, like the kids that were in it. Yeah, <laughs> they hung out, and I found myself like wanting to go and like 
sit by myself for a minute. And like, I was like anxious for it to be over because I wanted to make bedtime for my kids. So it's different when you're like, and I thought about it. I'm like, I used to hang out. Well, that, but that also might be different, right? Because let's say you were on that show eight years from now. Of course. You might want to sit and hang out. Well, that's what I was going to say to you too. That was also your show. The other shit you did was probably not like your place. Yeah, but even just like watching how they kind of interacted with each other was like, like we were constantly like joking around and and it was just like, it was like how when a family gets together where Mm. you see these other people and they're like, oh, how was your, and it's just this like unfamiliar kind of like, like, you know, we're saying that like one of my friends about this podcast said, like reached out to us and they were like, hey, you and Castle were kind of going at it the other podcast. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, I didn't even know what they're talking about. And they're like, yeah. you sounded kind of harsh. And Cassim's like, yeah, my girlfriend said the same thing. And I'm like, we're just, it's like, it's like a family kind of thing where it's like, I could, Cassim could say whatever he wants to me. I say whatever. And that's how it was. It wasn't this like, this walking on eggshells where you're on this set and you're like, oh, I don't want to, can I go over there? Can I like. No, it wasn't precious. On Sopranos sets, there were like the strip club would be over there with a pool table and it would be like, oh, cut. You guys have 15 minutes. It's like, let's go play a game of pool. Let's go. It was just like. It was just the it was just the best. It really was. So the script didn't make it a family, but everybody has described it as a family. What made it a family? Can you can you can you? It's just chemistry. I just think it was like it was like the whole thing was lightning in a bottle. I also think like Rob said, it went beyond the actors. It was like the crew, like the yeah. same yeah. crew from the beginning. Is that rare? Yes. Yeah, we yes. had, I mean, and there were just people so where it was like. So crew is fungible, like they, they rotate well, them. Well, they, they take, we had crazy different hiatuses every year. It wasn't like it was, you know, June to April back. every year. It would be like random and the same people would make it work so that they came back. And also seeing like some of the crew that were like started as PAs that moved up to be, you know, second ADs and first ADs during this whole process. It was really cool to like watch their progression and them <sighs> grow. It was, it I don't think it ever felt like there was a line between actor and crew. It was like everyone was in this making that like everyone's efforts were making this. And I mean, I think that we were it was like the most supportive, like literally place to to be your best in all of the departments. And I think I think also by like the fourth season, fifth season, a reason why all the people were the same on the crew was because it was like. You know, let's say like so if everybody had to show up at 5 a.m., right, like like you, you girls would come, what, two hours earlier usually yeah. for like hair and makeup and stuff. So they would tell us, all right, get there at seven. Girls will get there at five. So we get there at seven and then you're not hanging out because you're just you get there alone. So you go in your room, you get ready, you change. And then usually you lay down, you try and take a nap for however long until everybody's ready. So it's like if you uh, on the fourth season when Sopranos was huge, if you try and tell some like PA who it's like their third day on the job, like. Hey, go in there and wake up James Gandolfini. Like, I think they're like, they're (laughs) probably shitting in their pants. Cause it was even like, I I just, I think at the time it was so big, but the people who were around it, it wasn't like, oh my God, we're waking up Tony Soprano. It was like, oh, Jim's sleeping. Somebody needs to wake him up. And like, you could go in and he's in there and you wake him up and it's all good. But like, you could see sometimes when new people would come in, it was almost like we forgot what was going on when we were working. And then some people would come in and they'd be all like, or like an actor would come in and kind of be like uh, amazed by like, oh my God, I'm in the kitchen. And we're like, what? Like, you know, and he's like, this is the mm-hmm. kitchen where you guys stand, you do. And we're like, yeah, like it was, I was in that kitchen. I felt like close to as much as I was in my kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was, uh, 
It was weird. I think that's how a lot of people feel when they wa- when they watch it. The answer you gave was perfect. You know, I yeah. think I think. Well, it better be, man. It's what I gave. Yeah. It was my one shot at David Chase, and I put did it in a letter. Respond? Did he I respond? Think that's also he too, did. He did. Yeah, that, that's a. That, we'll talk about that off. Okay, we'll okay. talk about it off. I also just We're think it's like you. to hear the way people talk about this. Maybe this is has to do with my my own shit, but like it's so hard for me to believe that I was part of something like that. Like it's so hard for me to grab. Like I look at movie stars and. TV stars that I just think are so amazing and their shows are so amazing and they're so lucky that they're getting to do that type of work. It's so hard for me to think I, I like am part of that club in some weird way. I just look at myself as so You're, simple yeah. and normal and just like trying to be that so bad. Like, you know what? And maybe because I was 16 and I wasn't like in the trenches and then got that show because right now I'm telling you, if I... If I, God willing, like get on a great show, because I would love to just do a series again, A, for my family, but B, just I love the taking a a character like with a trajectory and a journey like over multiple seasons. That's the fucking dream. I will appreciate, not not appreciate so much, but like live it, Mm, like get it. And I just... Maybe because I was so young, I didn't, that yeah, I can't remember it that way. Yeah, your youth was, it, it worked against you in that one yes. instance because you were young, but like you didn't really truly appreciate this. And nor could you, I don't think. I don't think no, anybody thought couldn't. it was ever going to no be like this. Um, you never imagine anything that you do in life, anybody's going to talk no. about 10, and, 20, 30 years later. And that had to have contributed to how great the character was because if you were in your head about how great Everything. But I was also lax. I was so like lax. Yeah. Like I would show up and learn my lines that morning and like click in. Trust me, there yeah. were a couple of moments where I was like, oh, fuck, I should have like done a little bit more work. <laughs> but that that's what I mean. We were so supportive there mm. that you were yeah. it was OK. But now, I mean, like when I show up to work, I've like broken down the script and I've analyzed it. I've yeah. worked with my coach. I show up like fucking ready. And so that's why I feel like now I'll uh, and by the way, that's was Jim's process. That was a lot of people's process. But Maybe because we were young, it just... Also, I think when you play adults, it's more complex. I mean, you're playing people with, like, a long history mm. and a lot... You can figure out a lot of emotional triggers that why they are the way they are. As opposed to when you're a kid, it's just you're growing with experience, you know? Yeah, 100%. See, when I... What I find weird is, like, what you said about the show is kind of what I find weird about, like, when I hear somebody's like, oh, the Emmys were on last night. And I'm like, oh, shit, that used to be, like, our night. You know, oh, what I mean? like the we, best were like, we were like, we were like, so that's another thing when you say like, why, night is, of the year. why is everybody like so uh, close? And it was like, so if you were on a show in LA, it was like all of your limos showed up to the show. So it would be like, oh, there's, you know, this person from this show and there's that person. We're with us. Like, well, cause they went to their houses. Right. And they like, but, but for us, they rented a bus and they put a big, like New Jersey transit sign on it. And we, we all, all were in a hotel. We rode together. Yeah. We all flew in together. You guys. Yeah. We, we like, we would fly in together. together. We would, we would stay, uh, in the hotel. So it was like, as soon as you woke up, you'd go to the roof and it would be like Jamie and Jim and Edie or whoever up there like eating. So you eat during the day and the girls would be like, all right, we got to go, uh, downstairs now to start like hair and makeup. And we would stay up there for another like mm-hmm. couple hours, have a couple drinks, laugh go downstairs and like I said like they literally rented a bus for us and like packed us all in and I remember like it was just so it was like we kind of rolled differently well we felt like we were like the outsiders exactly. a little bit. we stayed together too yeah. like we at the after party we weren't like spursed out like me like sometimes I would go over to the entourage people because I loved that show at the time but like yeah. other you were, than you that, were on we that were, show 
Yeah, yeah, after. But like we would be all on the same table together and then we would go back and be like, are we meeting in the bar downstairs or are we going to somebody's room? Like it was. We'd go up and put it, pajamas on and mm-hmm. then come back down and we would just all hang out. Or we would hang out in like Jamie's room or like mm-hmm. somebody's room. We'd all get together. And it wasn't like, <sighs> I just yes. feel like we, we were never like, oh, where's the best party? Or where's, it was like, what never. are we doing? Mm-hmm. Never. That was like it. there was probably like huge Hollywood parties and we just still wanted to be together. Or people come to us. Like we're like we're the, like no no, no. one came no well, one at, at H- <laughs> HBO would have a party sometimes where people then like that was kind of like our like the SAG Awards was like it was just in a restaurant right and some yeah. extra people would come that were like super cool like movie stars yeah, yeah like, like, like Tom Hanks or something like, Tom look Hanks, the yeah. fans of the show run deep there are some heavy heavy hitters when that we are won super the SAG Awards still I think it was like the last year we won the SAG Award and we were walking to the stage and and um, Brangelina were sitting there like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie and they turned and they were like. Hey guys, I was like, holy nice. fuck! Like, this is crazy. Yeah, who are the heavy hitters? Lots of heavy hitters. Let's now. let's use it, dude. There's politicians. <laughs> I need to meet some of that these. Still people. watch no, the show? No, it's a, but that's another thing. Like the viewers, you were saying, and then people watched it for like this, like just their appreciation of yeah. cinema and quality yes. of writing and you, acting. You mentioned the word outsider. That's a huge part of it. This the and part of the fascination with like this mytho- mythological character that is David Chase. Nobody wanted to make the show. He was a career sh- uh, show writer on a bunch of different shows. Yeah, yeah. He had this script in his desk, the, the pilot, and uh, it's a mob show, but uh, everybody's already done all the mob movies. Mm-hmm. And then to be able to zig where everybody, to, to zag when everybody's zigging and say, look, it's not going to be about the five families. It's going to be about this pygmy thing in New Jersey. And then to to be able to sell that to mm-hmm. HBO, which was fledgling at the time, but to think about it then, be like, look, this is the pitch. It's about an overweight New Jersey guy, and um, and and it's and 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 his, and his mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. Oh sure, sure, yeah. yeah, let's yeah, let's go, let's let's go big. It, it doesn't exist, and that's yeah. part of why um, there's this there's this persistent sort of love affection for it. I, I would say yeah. Did he because, try selling it to networks at all or he yeah, went right yeah. to well, all of them. I they, think he got close with Fox. Yes. Right. They, imagine what the show said. I can't write it without swear words. Right. You have to be able to cuss. Cause people don't even know that like 22 years ago when this show went on, like it wasn't a big thing to have like cable show. Like I think like, Sex in the City was maybe just starting, mm-hmm. and besides that, like, what was there really? It was like Arliss. I watched Arliss. I loved Arliss. Yeah. I watched Arliss because every Oz, episode there'd Oz be, was on. There'd be boobies because Edie yeah. was a prison was guard on, yeah. on Oz. But I watched yeah. those shows because of The Sopranos. See, the, yeah, they got oh, me you in. Went back to I it. went back to it. But those, they, nothing, well, it was nothing such, compared. Like the I remember seeing Oz and being like, "Holy fuck, this feels like shit that's only on late night. That's like super like yeah. dangerous to watch. Yeah, feels like possibility. Yeah." There was, you know, it was it was that time when there wasn't shows like that. Kind of like when Carson was on, there were like three networks, and Carson like got I don't know how many millions of viewers compared to today when there's like a late night show for every fucking network. Yeah. But back then, that was it. I mean, it was Sopranos. I don't know what else would even be. Sex of the City for women was huge. Oh, Sex of the but, City was huge. huge. But it's Sex also still City, rewatchable, by the way. It's aged well. I've been told. Did Sex and the City Completely. start before Completely. or after Sopranos? But right before. I think it was right before. And you know what's funny okay. is they. So they used to film at the same place we would film. Mm-hmm. And like our first or second year, whenever, when like people didn't really know who we were, I would go up to their like area and pretend like I was lost because there were just hot chicks oh. everywhere. Well, also, <laughs> I remember one of our PAs like took me like to Sarah Jessica's dressing room and like I got to meet her and I was like, 
so excited. And she was couldn't have been, have been nicer. And l- again, all those girls loved that they would come to our premieres. We would go to their. Yeah. It was a very HBO would always invite us to their other HBO show. So it felt very much like a family yeah. with that network mm. because it was like this. Ev- it was all shot in New York. Everyone was there. We were all New Yorkers. It was just like this outsider thing. It just never felt like Hollywood. Never. Yeah. Never. I wonder I wonder what it would have been like on now in this like different age of like social media and stuff like that. I mean, it would have been I wonder what it would have been like. Yeah. I think we would have had more like paparazzi and stuff. We, it wasn't time. bad. Big Towards time. the end when we were on location, it would be a little annoying. Yeah. I mean, I just I think like I think the social media and stuff takes away the mystery of shows and makes sure. them softer. So like, let's say this is a great point. Yeah, like your, point. your favorite character is getting shot or whatever, and then it's like, hey, you know, we're here. Me and Jamie are here. We just watched, you know, Brad gets shot. Like, ha ha ha. Like, you know, oh like, no, we're I in never the, do anything. No, at we work. never. But we never did any sort of like. If you look at like, you know, I use this example uh, on a podcast I did, but like Stranger Things, like something like that. It's like when I first watched the first season of Stranger Things, I was like, I love this, and then I feel like they became kind of like this, like. Quirky kind of like social media became a brand. As, yeah, yeah, it just became like this thing of like we're selling a billion. Like the girl selling has a makeup company and then all this stuff. Where yeah, we but were the like, business is different now. Oh yeah, but I'm just saying like what you would have, it have to done? do it. But it, I don't think it's a good thing. I think uh, the Sopranos benefits from the, having it be appointment television. Everybody was at the same place at the same time, and then when it was over, there were no digital platforms for everybody to opine and share with the world yeah. and re- have reactions. I probably would have pissed a lot of people off. Yeah, like imagine if because well, I, I would never, I never do social media at work ever. Like any acting I ever do, it's but you're not also my in your. I my social media older. services my podcast, the the Mama Said podcast, mm-hmm. and like any of my like philanthropic work with MS or anything like that. That's like my main focus of my social media. Like I'm bad as a tool. Yes. But I would never want to expose. I don't know. It's the, it's that thing where I'm like, am I not respected because I post on Instagram as like an actress? Look at the rock. I mean, he builds it into his contracts. You know, it's he, just a he different. What does he build into his contract? He he builds his social media marketing into his. Oh well, yeah, he gets saying paid. I have this many followers. Yeah, and yeah. Then when I promote the trailer for the movie that I'm starring in, it'll get this many hits, and more people will know about it. It's more powerful than if you oh, put up a wow. hundred billboards. I mean that. It's true. That's the other side of it. I I like when people are like clean about what they do at work, and then they just come on social media. There's a mystique. That I really like, like you don't see Brad Pitt all over Instagram, you know, speaking of, you don't see him pl- going on podcasts and plugging it, which is kind of cool. Yeah, you know? but he's but, old school. But then people like Jennifer Aniston got a cave and then they now they have Instagram followings and now they kind of understand that it's a tool that could help them land more gigs. The question I had was, since you brought up the fact that Sex in the City was on at the same time or just before, and I could be totally off base on this, but... And you may need to know the demographics for what The Sopranos, who was watching The Sopranos at the time. But was it like a men's show and a female show? Hmm. The female show being Sex in the City, the men's show being Sopranos? Or did Sopranos demographics kind of skew way more female than I think it did? Because when I when I think about those two shows together, I'm like, oh, HBO just wanted one for each. Hmm. You know, one male, one female show. I think that's kind of how it was back then. That, that was kind of the feeling. And then it was like... 
the boyfriends watched Sex and the City because their girlfriends watched it, and the girlfriends and they watched Sopranos because but they wouldn't say it out loud, sort of yeah. thing, right? And yeah. I think guys even liked Sex and the City a little more than girls liked Sopranos. You know, like guys would be like, "Oh yeah, my girlfriend," uh, kind of. We're like. Girls were either like all in on Sopranos or like, no, I don't watch it. You know, where guys kind of tried to pray, play that thing that they play now with like The Bachelor. We're like, oh, yeah, my wife kind of watches that. But like I, right. I was thinking like imagine what I was trying to say is like imagine if James, who played Tony, had Snapchat and was like, yeah. hey, guys, here here with the no, kids in the it. kitchen and blah, blah, blah. It would like it's just to me and maybe I'm totally wrong. I think it loses something that the show is like it's so raw this that with shows where like Stranger Things where it's like 13 year old kids maybe it doesn't lose it as much or maybe it's actually the opposite it gets more people to watch when they are all like hey we're buddy buddy and we're this because the the topic of the show is not people getting stuffed into fucking garbage cans or whatever right, I didn't right. watch it you, you know you know what happened by the way to echo the thing about the the female viewership uh, at our old haunt in Normandy I watched it in an apartment with all women Mm, the right. Sopranos, and they just, all I liked the, it. They all, it, I mean, I uh, the all due respect episode and the Adriana episode last a long term parking. It was I remember uh, it was silence. I remember there were tears, um, and I was the only guy. So it, it, it I think it was a, I think it was a broad demographic. Mm. And Which, there was also a lot less to watch back then, right? Like us. Well, and it was people got sat around to so watch it. So much less to watch. So much less to watch. Nobody I know is like, oh man. Thursday night, this show. Never, like no. and I was like that with Watchmen. Thursday night recently. was Friends, and I don't know really? anything ever after Friends. I don't know Thursday night after Wednesday Friends. Wednesday night is Real Housewives of OC. Mm. Sorry. Mm. Yeah. It's a big appointment. I mean, I, I do watch all the Real Housewives, but I don't, but it's like, I see, I'm like, oh, it's it, it aired. Like, I'm not, right. like, no, we're no, back no, in no. the day, it was no, like, no, everybody no, was no. like, oh no. I remember one time. But that's why I think it's important for people too. It's like nostalgic of a time when like they they watched yeah. it every Sunday night. Appointment they got viewing is coming friends. back. I do think it's coming back. You do? Back. Yeah, I yeah. hope so. What's I, the show that brings it back? Um, well, I, I think Watchmen that just ended was a really- Game of Thrones had it. Game yeah. of Thrones, sure. yes. Game of Thrones was, was big with it. Um, Watchmen had it. And I, I do see people- moving away from the binge model you know you see a lot of shows on disney plus like mandalorian are week to week now I great think show by the hulu way show, hulu shows are are week to week aren't they yeah i don't handmaids is handmaids is, yeah, yeah handmaids is week to week i i do think but there's something wait, special then you can binge i just it. wait well wait. that's what rob does but then i get on his case because we can't discuss on a week to week basis because i get a lot it affects the friendship for me the show <laughs> isn't just the hour i'm watching it that night the show is like the hour I watch and then the the six days leading up to it, me discussing it with everyone I know that watches right. it. That's part of it. And but that's, the problem and that's is why I Reddit's- saw, a, When I saw the first episode three months ago, I don't appreciate the last episode as much because I'm not like, oh yeah, that ties into- Because I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like it. I well, like being like Succession was like that for me. Watching week to week. Oh, you know, my husband's really good. obsessed. Great show. I got to get on from the beginning. HBO still- in my opinion, has the best shows. I mean, hands down, it's not even. I told you. Who would have thought after Showtime. Game of Thrones? After Game of Thrones, that was gonna be the start or some of their best shows. Chernobyl, Watchmen, yeah. Barry, Chernobyl. Succession. I mean, they're it's exceptional. It's great. Yeah, yeah Barry's yeah. exceptional too. And Barry is interesting because Henry Winkler, who was you know from Happy Days, who had this career and who was only known for Happy Days for the longest time, is now finding Waterboy. And what? <laughs> of course, of Waterboy <laughs> is now finding a a, a, a huge he won an Emmy, like a huge career, an Emmy winning, and uh, you know a critically acclaimed show in Barry, which is like 
just keep it's such a such a uh, testament to being nice and working in hard and he also it. does a lot of podcasts incidentally he does the circuit which is good yeah i, I agree i think they should do all podcasts is the new medium to promote shit for Absolutely. sure because you can have a longer conversation yes. exactly yeah. about you plug it plug your it's movie like for two quick... seconds then you just talk to the person right then you want a funny story and then you want a funny story from the set and then yeah i want to say this thing while it's still relevant i remember one time because we talk about like sunday nights i was at uh nets game on a sunday and uh, it was in Jersey when like nobody was watching the Nets, so they would give us like whatever seats we wanted. Mm-hmm. So they're walking us like to the f- the front, and the guy, there's a guy in front of me, and I'm kind of like talking to my friend, and I hear him go, "Yo, he's like, if this game goes long or whatever," he said, he's like, "We have to be home by nine." He's like, "Cause Sopranos are on," mm-hmm. and as we both turned, we were sitting next to each other, and I look at it, it was Jay Z. And I look at him and I was like, yo. And he was like, oh, shit. He was like, yo, I was just talking. I was like, yeah, I know. I heard like, and like, so cool. Mind your business, kid. Yeah. (laughs) So it was, it was just like shit like that, where it was like on a, like, I've never heard anybody where like we were at a dinner now and they're like, oh, shit. Like this show is on tonight. I have to go watch, which like is the, like, it's, it's the best thing ever to have deep. Cause I'm obsessed with watching shows and like, I think about that even for my kids, like. They don't. They only watch shit on YouTube. Oh, you mean and I'm Roblox? Like, I wish I deleted <laughs> Ro- that. From, I you deleted, deleted Roblox from his iPad. Really? Because yes, there was Woo. like guns and stuff. Uh, but like they sit and they 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 pick a video and then they immediately scroll the side and I'm like. I remember just sitting and having to get through the commercial. Oh, you see, I could only watch what was on TV. Yeah. What about channel surfing? I've never, I would never channel surf now where it's like, oh, I'm just, what's it's on YouTube. seven? What's on nine? What's on 11? What's on the. Nobody know, even has cable anymore. Because you used to not, I remember when I, I do, was. This is I like those it, but, like mm. old people things, but it's like, I remember growing up, there was no remote for the TV. There was this box that was tied to it with like a cable uh-huh. and it had like all the numbers on yes. it. So you have to push like two. <gasps> And then, bless, Yeah, you had to push two, and then it would, like, go to two, and then you push four, and it would go to four. But, like, now, even YouTube isn't channel surfing because you know what you're about to see. Right. Mm. You're like, oh, do I care about that? No, so I would never click on it. Where before, it was like, you're on chat, you have to go from four to five to six mm-hmm. to seven to eight, and you had to, like, you went through all these things. And that's how you found, like, like yeah, I would see, like, the odd couple on Nick at Night and be like, oh, shit, this is great. When I was super young, where it's like now... How do you how do you stumble upon that stuff when you're you just you have to be pushed at it right or yeah. social media I guess yeah. right you segue yeah. you segue to something I want to hijack the podcast for a second Go for I've it. interviewed you and I've interviewed you yeah but I he he mentioned YouTube uh, you it's were, my time to shine boys yeah, it's, your, it's his time to shine <laughs> take off the jacket, the jacket and start flexing I need to check my down. text from my nanny so okay. apologize that I'm taking my no Jamie I want you to tune in nobody listens to this part anyway so well I am infinitely curious because scroll Instagram for a minute yeah, you uh, were one of the original founders of Makers Studios correct which sold had a huge exit to Disney yep um how did you become a part of that? And 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 also, I'm just like a nuts and bolts, like procedural thing. Like, can you talk about the deal? I know there was another bidder that came in higher, but you guys went with Disney. Just sort of like, oh yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know what? I'm gonna kind of. So I was a co-founder um, with maybe like seven or eight other people. Uh, I, I sh- probably should know the number, but there was a few. I think there was eight total. We started a company. Right when YouTube started taking off, um, it wasn't intended to be anything that it ended up being. We we started a studio um, to share a shooting space, to share recording equipment, computers, directors, editors, 
we needed a, a, an office with a green screen, you know, and we just needed a space and tools because we were all making our own YouTube videos at the time. Like I could uh, write and I could um, go to the street and interview people, but I wasn't a strong editor, you know, and I didn't necessarily, I wasn't technically savvy. So having somebody who could like edit what I shot that day or having a cameraman come shoot and then having an editor help me edit made all the difference in my productivity. And it was kind of the case with maybe five of us that all had like decent YouTube followings. I had the smallest out of everyone. So we just started a, a studio where we could rent cameras, have a space to shoot. That was the business model. It, it, like collective. It, it wasn't even like a, yeah, it, it wasn't even really, a, I guess it kind of was a business model once we all started one YouTube channel together. And we, and we all rev shared the uh, the money that that one channel made, but what ended up happening is there was like five of us that all pushed our audiences into this other channel. It was called the Station at the time, and that channel ended up becoming the most subscribed channel, like one of the fastest growing channels in like YouTube's history at the time. And we then realized that there was a lot of um, more power than we thought. Uh, in, in the fact that we could we could put eyeballs and like grow something if we all pushed and 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 helped each other and it and it turned into a thing where we're okay well we can grow we found it out we all have our own YouTube channels but we can also grow other YouTube channels if we all focused on it and um, then it kind of transitioned into like management for you YouTube people that are making content online to help them like, hey, these are the times you should be uploading. And the, it's all stuff that's kind of very commonplace now, but nobody was doing it at the time. And so it turned into like a place that was a, a studio that shot. And then we started kind of managing um, content creators as far as taking in brand deals and doing all those things. And then we got an investor. And once we got time an Warner. investor, it was just before Time Warner. Um, and I don't even know who all the investors were, but there was a good. I do. Great, and and <laughs> and, and, and and you can uh, correct me when I'm wrong. I I remember a good two three year run where we had um, a, an office filled filled with like the most talented people that I knew, really great writers, directors, and like it was the energy kind of like what you guys describe when you talk about like when you know everything was at its peak in The Sopranos, where you loved coming into work every day. It was like that. We walked into this office. It was on Washington and in Venice, I think technically on the Culver City border right by the Costco there. You would walk in, you would see, you know, somebody wearing like a bear costume and somebody else like, you know, walking around in a tutu. And then there's that guy who has like 10 million subscribers. And, and, and we had like, uh, you know, everyone was in a tight space and there was an energy there and it was super fun. And we shot videos in the parking lot. We shot videos in the alley behind. And that was awesome. And that was right around the time we got the first investor. And then from there, my involvement and my sort of like uh, vision for what we had started, like started to matter less and less. Mm. And the company's, the direction of the company was being steered by like people's money, whose, you know, investment which is not bad, and I have no complaints. As soon as you get an investor, the first thing they want to know is when are we going to exit. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, so exactly. It, cha it changes everything. So we had one one of those, and then once that one person comes in, 
I think we had somebody from MySpace who was like big in MySpace come in and invest. And then once that person came, we, you know, you started getting, this was like right when Silicon Beach, the term started mm-hmm. being, and I, and I, I don't want to take credit for the term Silicon Beach, but we were the but he's about the to. biggest company in Venice at the time. <laughs> and there was a lot, and this was bef- right before Google bought all their property or started moving I was just going to say, like Maker kind of built yeah. that Playa del Rey area up. Totally. And uh, so once one person came on, another person came on, they were all big sort of like people in their, you know, they're big execs coming from other companies. And they started steering the company into a into, into a um, a network, you know, that managed people on online, took in advertising deals, um, were able to create content and also get that content viewed by millions of people. Distribution. Distribution was being developed in the, in those rooms in that office, and and we were the first multi-channel network and and. There's still some out there today, but it was um, the maker invented the term, the Wikipedia term, multi-channel network. It was it's attributed to th- that company. Like, yeah, it's like the there was the nomenclature. Yeah, they yeah, invented nomenclature. The people that ended up helping us early in the days, some of them split off and started their own multi-channel networks. One of them is still around today. You know, there was it was important because it was like this wave that we saw coming saw coming and then um everyone else started paddling out and being like oh i'm going to catch this wave and but you guys caught the disney wave yeah well we took we entertained uh, I, I mean by the time disney had come in i was just i was i, I was offered a, a position inside the company which i was like why would i want to do any any sort of business related i'm just managing my my youtube channel was doing fine i was burnt out already but i was like i'm just going to make youtube videos for a while and i don't need to be involved on any of the inner workings um which was great because that took a lot of stress off my plate but also um you know i probably could have made a lot, a lot, like a huge salary on top of just whatever I was making on YouTube, but that wasn't really my concern. Um, so the company entertained offers by the, you know, in the eleventh hour, like you mentioned, there was some somebody else that came in and and offered this uh, a billion dollars. Yeah, and there's all this conversation happening at at a higher level than the founders were involved. There's there was the founder, Danny Zappin. And then the co-founders, we were all kind of like, just like kind of being told what was going on, but didn't really have much of a say in it because everyone whose investment was in there really was the one, the ones steering the conversation. Um, there was a lot of like upset people. There was people that were stoked. I mean, there was friendships were ruined. There was a, there's a whole sort of story behind it that you personally, are you on the happy side of the equation? Yeah, we got to get The reason I'm setting this up is that this, like this, his story is a movie. This is an amazing story. Well, look, it, yeah, it would be a very, it would be a movie I would not go see, but it, it, <laughs> it, it, it would, uh, it was a very interesting time, and there was a lot of, um, a lot of like foundational groundwork that was put in that, you know, companies have built, have been uh, built and then sold like many times over by the time we had already sold. So, um, so did you kind of do? In any way, like what I did, which was after like Sopranos, I said I like I want six months off, and then I just became like an alcoholic and doing drugs all the time. And this because I like when did when did you go from like I'm um, doing this work to all because when I met you, you weren't. Do- I had already videos. been paid you out. Were, I think. Yeah. So yeah, at, yeah. What, at what point in it did you just go? So you didn't know him it. in his maker days. No. So at what point did you just go? I'm going to just start drinking and hanging out. 
Well, he, he I guess when we started working, Maker was still still a thing, but I I was on uh I just was only focused on what I was doing. Um, but I thought you weren't doing anything anymore. When, but when I, I did. You. I made the decision, and you start. There's a lot of conversation that happens. Uh, that, and I just my girlfriend just sent me a uh, article from CNN about YouTuber quote unquote burnout. I did feel burnt burned out like big time. Um, I was like severely depressed. I was like not happy with what I was doing. There was a lot of like, and I was just like growing up still. You know, I was in like my early twenties, and and. Um, and I was dealing with like substance, starting substance abuse, but my substance abuse with like weed and alcohol was like ramping up. And there was a lot of uh, social anxiety that I had, people recognizing me in the street. You know, it was it was great and it was it's very flattering, but at the time was uh, giving me a lot of anxiety and a lot of uh, just stuff that they don't train you to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, you go from one year where you're like trying your hardest to get you know, agents and managers that come to an acting showcase and like people, your friends that come to like a stand up gig. You were working at Best Buy. You know, and working at Best Buy. And then next year, you, you know, you have over a million subscribers and like people are stopping you on the street and be like, I love that thing you did. And then it's, um, it's, it was awesome. And it just wasn't anything I was trained for. And I had a, a rough time dealing with the, uh, the anxiety, the recognition. And, and a lot of it felt, um, you know, a lot of it felt like you had I had that imposter syndrome where I just didn't feel like this was, you know, I deserved any of this. There's a lot of people that are funnier than me. So I spent a lot of my time trying to promote people whose, like, work I was a big fan of. Um, like a manager. This, I mean, similar, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm really good, and I, and I will toot my own horn, and I'm really good at spotting um talent, you know? And uh, I was... Doing a podcast with these two, I, so... I, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, hoping do you guys, it rubs off. Do you guys get anxious when you when people recognize you now? Still, like, is that is that a thing that you guys have ever had uh, recognition or like walking around and wondering if someone notices who you are? And I never look for it. Okay, I'm oblivious. Like to the point, I'm oblivious. Where my husband will be like, "Those people recognize you." I'm like, oh, I didn't notice." Yeah, I lived in New York City for my entire life, and I never had a car, so I was just constantly walking around, like. When Sopranos was, I forget, I think they said like 30 million people were watching Sopranos. And I was like, yeah, waking up, going to the deli and going to the, th-. so like there was so much of it then that now it's so easy to deal with because it's, there's days where I go where nobody recognizes mm-hmm. me. And then there's some days where it's like you're at a restaurant and you start to see like a little more. But I also think there's something with like my facial hair and my, the hair on my head where there's sometimes where it's like, I'm going through a phase of like haircut where it's like. Everybody's like, oh, Soprano, Soprano. Mm. And then, like, there's times where, like, for a month, no, like, if I, like, just don't shave or do whatever, like, where people just – it totally yeah. goes away. So it's not so much uh, anxiety for me. But it's also, like, that was the time when I started heavily drinking and doing a lot of drugs. So it's, like, that takes care of all that, you know, where it's, like, you you don't – uh, when you when don't worry about it, yeah. When or you're, you're oblivious. just when you start with like tequila on the rocks, you know, it's like it's 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 very rare that you're like, oh my god, is that person looking at me? Because you're like usually yelling and and you know sweating and <laughs> Liv- living here and living in New York, it's sort of easier, and it's why that's yes. why talent and celebrities live in those places because people kind of just are over themselves and they are busy or whatever. They they see someone and they like, oh, that's that person, and they move on. I had lunch with Michael uh, between L.A. and Santa Barbara, and it was a just a random cafe, and in Michael Imperioli, Michael Imperioli, anybody who's listening, and the. 
there's only one Michael in my in my book. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. I um, had dinner with M. And um, three people stopped. Um, one of them was like the line cook in the back and they just like, they came up and they were like, I'm so sorry to interrupt. And, uh, you know, Sopranos, you know, the whole thing that I'm sure you guys get all the time. And he was super gracious about it, but I was, I'm I'm bringing that up because we were in the middle of nowhere. Okay. Adventure account. Like, you know, it's just off, off of the 101 freeway somewhere. That's where I grew up. I bet I've been to that. So, you know, like around Camarillo. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, Who's watching the Sopranos in Camarillo? I mean, come on. A lot of people. A lot of people. And, and it's, uh, but that's I think that's why you gravitate towards the cities because if you go anywhere else, yeah. it becomes a little bit more of a uh, yeah, it it's easy to isolate. Isolate. Yeah. There, I know there was definitely a time where uh, I would go out with Jamie, and Jamie. I would I, I would kind of like usually be drinking or whatever, and then like I'd, we'd be talking, and I'd be like, what? I'd be like, what the fuck is this guy looking at? You know, because I would forget, and then like all of a sudden, like. Somebody would say, like, well, it's probably weird for them to see the two of you, like... Yeah, I think it's when we it were together. Super weird. Yeah. This is super very... weird for me. This really? Is like, right. Yeah, it's... Uh, I'm handling myself pretty well, though. I feel like very you well. are doing... Very well, I didn't know that. Great this job. is, like, one of those... One but of the, being right next the, to me is spending. probably just blowing your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to let you know, it's, it's, I'm a human it's, being. It's, just it's, like it's helping me, but... A no, million like, subscribers, he said, casually. Well, I, no, you, 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 said, you said you had the smallest following. I didn't want to interrupt your flow, but, like, we're talking in the millions here. So yeah. Like, which yeah. is well, insane. Well, back then, it was a big deal. Right now, you can find a kid who fucking unboxes, you know, action figures. That little Ryan, my kids are obsessed with these. Worth eleven million dollars. Well, he that made like made. twenty something million. He has year. merch. He, yeah, I, you know I who had my to guy buy is? a lot of it. Who's your guy? MKBHD. Marquise oh, Brownlee. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Te- <laughs> he does tech reviews on products, yeah. on cameras, on whatever. Right. And um, he's, I think he has like ten million. Does he he's like huge. the Theragun? Did he review the Theragun? He yet? does like he a, a like tr- like a, like we have know, one of those at home. Stuff. That's where the, my husband the, works. The percussive therapy. Yeah. Shout out Theragun. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Whoop, whoop. I, those are everywhere. Yeah. I saw one at Best Buy. Oh yeah. I, uh, Best Buy. I There's still a need one. I, gotta, There's a, okay, yeah, you, I don't you want know it for free, Cutter. I you just want the need, code? I just want a deal. Yeah, Cutter, Cutter oh, promised us. Codes. Cutter, take a, yeah, take a we promo got code. Promo Cutter codes. promised us when we were there, and guess what? I still got this knot in my Well, bag. guess who's coming for Christmas? Oh, just yeah, saying. that's right. Okay, all right. Um, it really works. It the, does. It's uh, But the problem with it is, is that... Oh, I got it for my wife so that she could use it as a uh, massage hey. replacement. Hey. But I have to, she wants me to apply it. Oh. Like, what's the point of getting it it's if made, it's made so you can use it yourself, but it is nice to just lay down and have somebody else exactly. do it as well. But my logic was like, my hands are free now. My hands are free right. to watch The Sopranos. Right. But no, I can't mm-hmm. do that. I have to apply the, the gun. The, but you know what it is too? It's like when Jamie... So you said like we exchanged 40 emails or whatever. At first, like it was just like my manager's like, I got an email from a guy who does a podcast about Sopranos. And I was like, okay, like if I'm around or whatever, I'll do it, blah, blah, blah. And then it became something a little bit more where it was like, oh, well, this person's done it and this person's done it if you want to do it. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, we started talking about starting this podcast. Uh, and I was like, well, yeah, when I move out there, it'll be great to do. And, you know, we have a conversation. And then I remember when we recorded our first podcast, Jamie was like, oh, you have to meet my friend Vic and do his podcast. And I was like, okay. And then the more we got to talking, she's like, yeah, but she's like, blah, blah, blah. She's like, it's called Pot of Bing. And I was like, oh, I was like, I think my manager reached out to me about doing that. And then I asked him and like, you know, like you said, I'm handling myself well. It's like I, I expect. I, I don't know. Like you just you you seemed very like, yeah. Hey, we're here like in my studio doing this podcast. I don't really give a shit. You know what I mean? And that was like, 
which is, I guess, the way to carry yourself because then it's like, oh, hey, you want to come do ours and this? We're like, if it was like some like, you were, you were, you were a but I very much, I very much gave a shit though. I very no. much prepared for your interview. Oh no, that I could yeah. tell, but I yeah. just mean like as far as like hanging you're out chill. and the, yeah, like, it's yeah, just yeah. like yeah, you're super chill. That's why it was like, hey, do you want to fucking come here and do this? Well, and... you give people a safe place to open up, and by the way, it's like super intimate. Your studio, and, and you're really like, good at what you do too. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, it was, you are. Uh, I mean, it was it fun means to a lot. do. You do a good work, and and uh, there's a lot of room. I'm sure there's. You're not the only podcast that there's talks 11. about it, but uh, there's three more since this one started. Wow, which is flattering too. You know, like there, one person messaged me or came up to me at a, actually at a, which is also like, I get recognized on like a very micro microscopic level, but someone at Gelson's came up to me and was like, Hey, um, I am doing a Sopranos podcast too. I'm a student. (laughs) He's a student at USC Uh. and he's doing like a case study Uh on the Sopranos. And uh, and he asked me if I would go on his podcast and I said, sure. Like I, I could talk about the Sopranos with anybody. For sure. Yeah. So, uh, and it's extra special that I get to talk about it with you guys um, even though you've never seen the show, I know it's probably too um, annoying. Well, no, but, and he doesn't even but, want to watch it. I do. I I'm do trying to get him it. to. I'm like, hey, Rob, we need to have a podcast where we you we all sit down, we watch it together, and and he's like, I can't do it emotionally. I can't do it. Well, there's ah, there's part t- of it where I hate seeing myself. There's part of it where I kind of like being able to say I've never seen the show, and then there's the other part where it's like watching eight hours of uh, eighty hours of somebody who's extremely close to us who passed away is yes. like. It would, it's, it's rough. Like if I see a picture of James, sometimes it's like, oh, like I, I feel... sent you something yesterday and then I actually felt bad that I sent it. Yeah. No, it's, and I you was know, like, oh, it's, it's, it's all good, but it's just like, there's, it's, you know, there's just this empty. Well, we got to heal, we got to heal those wounds, baby. We got to get see, in See, I think, I feel the opposite. I feel like I would love to watch him. Yeah. Like it would just like, like just, I He's would so love little. to see him. James. Don't you so miss him much. so little on the show? He's such little AJ. Oh, oh, Rob, <laughs> oh, no, I him. Okay, yeah, I yeah. would just love to see him that much because I think about him so much. Mm. But like, it's just like I would love to be reignited of those memories that we had together. Yeah, there. I mean, it's it's again, it's a first question you had was like, why are people watch his performance? And you haven't really watched the show either. I've right? watched season one. Okay, his but performance I get the, the charm is visceral. And it's the eyes. You hear about the eyes. You hear about the the command when he's in the room. Mm-hmm. His sucks face the oxygen has such out. pathos. Like he just didn't even need to do anything. And we also, when we say we haven't seen the show, we've seen at least one episode from every season because they would do a the premiere every yeah. year. And they would sit down, and some you watched one, and some we watched two mm. seasons, episodes, right? And when at the premieres, Jamie, you, you the towards the end, it was two. It was two, the first two, right? So we yeah. would sit there for that, which like, and we saw the finale. No, I didn't. You haven't seen the finale. I, I went that to that screening. Yeah, they oh, invited okay. me to that thing. I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to watch the story. It. You were in the Hamptons, right? Yeah, yeah. I was in the Hamptons Obviously. at a friend's house, and I heard <laughs> relatable. And I heard shout out to the Hamptons. I heard uh, the people. Boop, boop. So my friend, yeah. Speaking of relatable, so my friend got a screen like a projector for outside of the house for everyone to watch it. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna chill inside the house. And then the projector didn't work. Because, you know, I'm just a regular guy. The, so shit didn't work. So we, so he's like, okay, everybody's got to go inside and watch it on the TV. So I was like, okay. So then I just like was hanging out outside and like smoking a joint with one of my friends who was like, oh yeah, I'll not watch it too. And hung out and talk. And I remember hearing the like, well, what the fuck just happened? And like mm-hmm. the ending of the show. And I was like, oh, there it, there it was. There it was. Like that's, you know, that's it. It's over. Do you want me to ask you guys questions from listeners? Whatever you is there, think is, is there space yeah. for that? Is there time for we that? We got time, right? We got a little time because I've got a performance to get to. Okay. What time? How much time do you have, Jamie? I have about fifteen minutes. How long have we done so far? We're in an hour. 
Okay, so yeah, whatever, whatever you think is best. If it sucks, we'll just edit it out. But yeah, no, no, I, I, I'm not gonna but ask we, you guys. I'm not gonna ask you guys sucky ones. But I did get like I posted and I got a bunch of people sent stuff, and I'm only gonna ask the good ones. Okay, I feel um, like you're the good judge. You for guys that. can talk amongst yourselves. Jamie, what I, do you think? Have you ever been asked a Sopranos question where you were blown away, where you were like, "Wow, that was a really great question." Pot of Bing's interview. Yeah. Yeah. The that entire the entire different. hour and thirty minutes of Pot of Bing. But that's why I love podcasts because you yeah. can talk so much longer than like you know they're like you got five minutes to ask her questions. Yeah, and they don't you know? need just a sound bite. They, you're giving a real yeah, answer. And it's always the same thing. What was it like to work with Jim? Who do you still talk to? What do you think happened in the finale? Like I was so nervous. I know I've told you this. I was so nervous about our interview because it was the first big one for me. And I'm not an interviewer. I mean, I can talk as you can clearly see. But I was like, God, I'm gonna interview. Meadow Soprano. I had a huge crush on Meadow Soprano, right? So I'm like, okay, this is happening. Back off. And I told my wife, um, I'm not going to really ask her about the show. You didn't. I'm going to go straight for the MS. Yes. And and she's like, and my my wife is like my Abigail Adams. She like, listen, I complain about the Mm. world, and she listens. Mm. It's one one thing everybody needs in their life is an Abigail Adams. Mm. And I was just like, let me look. uh, Make sure I I look that up later. John Adams, the HBO series with uh, Paul Giamatti. Oh, okay, great. That's a great series. But Abigail Adams down too, Kat. Okay, HB. What was it? I oh. had all these questions for you and I was writing like, what was it like to do this? And what was it like to do that? And I read all the stuff that you had done. Again, I over-prepared. I over-prepared for the character actor that did one episode and had two lines with James Gandolfini. I watched like three of his movies <laughs> right. that he had like wow. bit parts in because I respect, it's it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's a part of yeah. part of the culture. But I wrote 20 questions for Jamie and then I was like, ah, I don't want to ask these fucking questions. They're, 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 they're good. You sense the room. You yeah. Know? Well, I did, but this was before I had met her. Oh, okay. this is a, but this is me basically saying, look, 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 this interview needs to be different. Um, and that's why I say it broke the dam open because I realized that you guys are all individuals. You're not, you, you happen to have a part of your life that was on this show, but there's so much more to you yeah. than just that question yeah. from. And it's also different because like I had 12 years on this planet before the show. Jamie had 16, but there's people on the show who were, it was like. For si- I lived my whole life for 60 years, and it, like, Dominic Cianese, how old was he when he got on the show? Yeah, he was old then. Yeah, know? so it's like he had his whole—he lived this whole crazy life, or, like, Tony Sirico, or these people who lived this whole crazy life and then got on the show, where for me, it's like, I don't even—I barely remember my life before the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, smart question uh, from L- Lucas. Um, why did you guys start the podcast and by what metrics would you consider this podcast a success? I'm asking because I want to see it continue. I wouldn't say we're, we're measuring it quite yet. We just started. Well, I feel like I, the measuring stick is like every time I leave here, I'm smiling. You know what I mean? Like we always laugh. We always have a good time. And I feel like we did it because I was, me and Jamie lived in New York and we'd always hung out and felt like we had fun, good conversations. We always had good times. And then when she moved out here, we didn't get to hang out as much. And I remember being like, well, this is an opportunity. I'll move to LA if uh, we could start this podcast and nope. sit around and, la- and also because I'm obsessed with podcasts. Like I just love podcasts. We talk like, about podcasts And a lot. I think this yeah. is a talent of Rob's that like, 
I don't think he even knew he had of just like conversation and guiding a conversation. I think he's one of the smartest and funniest people that I know. And I'm so glad that this podcast exists so people can see that. 40 seconds in with him. Again, I had no, we had no formal introduction Mm -hmm. other than you helping him get into my studio. But 40 seconds in, I knew he was, it was going to be a good interview. And there are so many of them. There's been 111, but I haven't put up 111 interviews because they're not all. He's a great conversationalist. They're not all good. You're a great conversationalist. Thank you. Um, Well, that's the thing too, is we had Dre DeMatteo on the show and people are like, are you going to interview her in this? And I'm like, no, we're just going to talk. You I think yeah. interview her? Yeah, I think the best way <laughs> is to just like sit and talk about like, oh, somebody cut you off on the way here and what happened. And then it just, you know, instead of like, because if like, if people want to see her get interviewed, they could go watch an interview or they could, they could watch a late night show. Like, I don't, I like sitting around bullshitting, laughing. That's a good time. But for yeah. it to be successful, I need $50,000 a year. To be considered a success. Okay. So okay. tell your friends, guys. 50,000 downloads or 50,000? No, dollars. And that's just for me. Just so for that would be 150 grand for Well, this the is three Mr. Fucking 1 million subscribers. You know, like we're. Well, it's we're, two and a half. On, I'm just saying. Enough about Cassim. We need yep. to get. I have to go to the concert. You tell this him, James. question is from Bobby Loops from Brooklyn. Hey, Bobby. All right. This is for Jamie and Robert only. Oh, Ooh. shit. Why do people go out of their way to hurt me? I don't know. Just I've always regarded The Sopranos as a dark comedy. Still to this day, one of the funniest shows I've ever seen. Was there a lot of ball breaking when the cameras weren't rolling? And who would you guys say was the funniest actor on set? Let me go ahead and take this one. You see, Bobby, there was a lot of ball breaking. Who's the funniest? Tony Sirico. Tony Strickland's hilarious. He was the funniest to me. He definitely... He didn't even try to be funny. Aida's really funny, too. Aida's amazing. He's, uh, Tony Strico is definitely the smelliest in a good way. In a good Not way. a bad way, Whoa. but he would... Musty, <laughs> He would wear cologne, cologne obsession. everywhere. Yeah, like, yeah, I think yeah. if he woke up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, he would put cologne yeah, on. Yeah, just to Smelly. make sure. Just yes. to go... Pee. Like, he would have little bottles of cologne and we would be standing around on set and he would pour some in his hand out of his pocket and touch your face or put it on your neck or this but like god who was the funny i mean him and aida to me it was more so like everyone together with the crew and like bouncing off each other it was when we would really laugh i think i think steve sharip is a really funny guy i think the most entertaining person is probably johnny ventimiglia he is (laughs) so he's Funny, he's interesting, he's different, he's this, he's, uh, yeah, he's he's really good. I interviewed him at a cafe in Brooklyn, like we, the, for Pot of Bing, yeah. and it was a perfect setting to interview Artie Bucco at a restaurant. Yeah. yeah, That was the whole conceit of it. But like the way he interacted with like people walking by and the way he talks to people, it was, yeah. so, it was so like... It was, he had a, he had an affability to him that was like infectious. It's like yes. a great character in a movie almost. Like yes, you're like, oh character. man, I want to yeah. see like more and what, what he's like behind. I mean, he's just so, he's, he's and he's an character. amazing actor also. Yes. One more uh, that I, that I think is, that it's, might be actually kind of intriguing. Um, it's from uh, Damon from Baltimore. This may actually seem too silly of a question, but I am legit curious. The scene with Jamie and Robert in season four, where she is in AJ's room trying to get info about them going to Furios all the time. Then AJ farts and says, meeting over. It's a classic hilarious scene to me. My mind stays in the gutter no matter how old I get. My question is, were they laughing when they recorded it? Do they remember it? And I was... And was it a sound effect or was it actually AJ farting? I have zero recollection, but I, I definitely 
vague, very vague remember. I like, don't remember farting for real. So they probably I don't think just... you farted for real either. Yeah. But you and I laughed a lot together. We what? We didn't get, like, there was a minute we didn't get a lot of scenes together. And then they did bring us back to, like, in the beginning, we had so many things together. Yeah. Um, well, we spent so much time together laughed. anyway. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, we were. People are always shocked to hear how close we are for me. Really? Yeah. See, I think they kind of expect it with because we didn't get along on the show, really. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Because I have, I have people like when I was thinking of just like people in my family and stuff, and when they're around and like somebody brings up Sopranos, they're like, "Oh, him and Jamie are like, you know, yeah, they're like yeah. because I didn't have a sister until I was sixteen years old, so you were like, you were like a sister to me. Yeah. Oh, wait, you still are, you know. And it's yeah. just like it's uh, it's a crate. Like I said, sometimes like. I feel like you're a little brother. Sometimes I feel like you're a big brother. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like you're just mm-hmm. uh, that family vibe. Like Castle makes fun of me every time you walk in because I go, Yamie Lee. He's truly like my one. I mean, like we talk to other people, but he is like my touchstone to that time in my life. Like if I didn't have this relationship, I would feel much more distant. Interesting. From the Sopranos. Mm. Like Rob's what keeps me like remembering it. Is it Sopranos or is it Sopranos? You both say it differently. Sopranos. I, I don't know. Well, we had that you problem. You say Sopranos. Because our, our podcast is called you Pajama Pants. Soprano, and I say, I say, I say Pajama. And he says and you Pajama. You say pajama, pajama Pants. Yeah. So it's just, I think it's. Tomatoes Motto. Tomatoes Motto. Thank you. I don't you. know what it is. But I, I think. Well, how did they say it on the show? So um, Dr. Melfi, Lorraine Bracco says, Soprano. Mr. Soprano. So she says it soprano. How do I say it? She's Italian. Soprano? You say it that you way. say soprano. soprano. Jamie I say and I soprano. say it the same way. Soprano. soprano. And I know, like in the show, if I ever had dialogue, I would have always said like meto soprano. See, I said okay. meto soprano. Remember that Mito. random PA they came up to me that started working on the show and was like, "Are you the actress that plays meto?" And I was like, <laughs> no. "No, I play meto." <laughs> Well, Vic, thanks for coming. Yes. Thank you for having oh, me. As so usual, great, great you. questions. You are truly yeah. It was, a, it was so an honor to be interviewed by you. But, uh, and yeah. happy holidays, happy, Merry Christmas. Merry Thank motherfucking for, Christmas to when you When we're not guys. talking about Sopranos, tune in to listen about how we might have different wiping techniques. Yes, and next week. Next week's episode is going to be a bombshell, and we're gonna I can't talk wait for about, you. Uh, you guys, it's going to be, it's, it's going to launch out. us into 2020. <laughs> but we're grateful for you guys, and thank you for like listening so we can keep doing this, because we we really love it. Yeah, and, and make sure to check out, uh, check out Vic Pot of Bing. at yes. Pot of Bing on, on Instagram, YouTube, you, and on uh, I, uh, where you get your podcast, iTunes. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Thanks for I doing am, this, man. Thank you for having me. It's an honor and a yeah, privilege. It was awesome. Flew by. Thank you.